Hello and welcome to Sip Happens with Liv and Bon, a show for the Joe Blow, No Show and Dirty Ho. Sit back, grab a glass and enjoy this week's conversations. Cheers to sexology. Before we start this episode, a little disclaimer. All information and advice discussed is general. For personalised and specific advice, please reach out to Helena or another trained professional. So today's episode is one that Liv and I have been looking forward to for so long. This one has been in the works for quite a while now and we are really excited to finally release it for you. Today we are interviewing the incredible Helena Green, who is a local sexologist in Western Australia. She works with couple therapy, individual sessions and has a background in nursing as well. And it was really interesting to hear about how all of the connections are made throughout all of those areas. We actually put out a question box to our listeners a few weeks ago now with the opportunity to ask Helena anything they wanted to know or get advice on. So we hope you find this episode as interesting as we did and get the answers to all of your juicy questions. Let's bring her in. Okay, welcome Helena. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, so I guess first question we wanted to touch on is just to get a bit more of an idea about what a sexologist does and what sexology actually means. Okay, so sexology is the study of human sexuality uh, across the lifespan. So anything to do with sex, sexual function, uh, desires, uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, relationships related to sexuality. As a sexologist, I work in the area of couple therapy and also individuals uh, with my background in nursing as well. So it's been a history mm. coming to here. So basically as a sexologist, um, because it's probably a newer term now as well, um, it's not really common. Usually you hear about sex therapy maybe or sex therapist. So basically foundationally around the aspects of human sexuality uh, in research, clinical practice and relationships. And how did you get to being in that? Is it something you've always taken an interest in? Yeah, actually, probably, uh, yes, for the longest time. I think um, my background is in nursing, so uh, <laughs> I started nursing, so I registered nurse, and then I have had a lot of experience in, in cancer, uh, particularly for female cancers. And what I noticed probably, oh, probably 15 years ago, I really struggled around uh, sort of supporting individuals and, and couples around their sexual changes mm. so I had the opportunity to go back and study sexology about oh, 11 years ago now and it just works really well uh, in the area of cancer care and working with the, the clients and people that I work with as well so always liked uh, the idea of uh, working with um, sexual wellness but never really had the opportunity um, mm. to do that until about 10 years ago. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's really good. And I think um, I wish I'd known about it prior, but I, I'm not sure because I, I studied at Curtin University and that's probably one of the best places to study sexology. And it's, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you kind of check it out. And mm. it was just, it was really good timing in, the, in where I was working at the time and where it's, it's taken to me now. Yeah, mm. definitely. Okay, so we got people to send in questions, um, so I think we'll maybe uh, just jump into some of the questions we got sent through. So what is one thing everyone should be doing to improve their sex life? I think 
when I was reading the questions and when I do present and talk to clients, I think the best thing that anyone can do is to be aware of your sexual anatomy and also your views and how you feel about your, your own person um, and also what you'd like or to work out and work towards what you might like that is comfortable but also pleasurable as well. So, But ultimately know about your sexual uh, anatomy and if you're having any issues or concerns to talk to someone who might be able to support you to mm. work out um, what you might like in life mm-hmm. in that regard. That yeah, I feel sense. like a lot of people are, well, a lot of people that we've talked to about it are scared to kind of take that next step and talk to someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something, I'm going to throw a random question yeah. in for you, is there a way to like break that barrier of people thinking in that way? Yeah. Or is it just kind of like when they're ready, they, they would? Um, I suppose you're, you're really right. Sex is still a taboo subject because mm. I don't know about how you grew up in your families, but in my family we never spoke about that. Mm-hmm. It was very limited. Um, when I um, when you, and for females, when you have your period, it's you're given the basic information. So I think if you're feeling comfortable with your with people that you speak with or with your GP or someone that you know or even just a helpline. There's a I, when I was doing some research for today, I found a really good helpline. Uh, online um, resource that might be helpful as well and I think it's about taking the confidence because I think as healthcare professionals the research shows that shows that we want to support people but often it's so laden with our own beliefs Mm. and own values and if the patient or the client or you don't bring it up there's an assumption rightly or wrongly that there's no issue or concern Mm. And I find, particularly when I work with pelvic pain, um, and there's many reasons, and we're going to talk to some of that as well, I noticed in the questions, there's usually probably a couple of years before someone actually takes a risk to say that mm. this is not yeah. doing okay for me. And if, if you ask and you get, and the GP or someone you speak to is uncomfortable, then just say, look, you know, is anyone else I can go to? Or mm. um, online, like sexual health headquarters, there, there is some really good stuff online as well. But take the risk because we think about it, but we don't actually sort of talk about it. So, and you're yeah. absolutely right. It's it's really difficult. Yeah. yeah. And particularly when you think um, that you're going to be judged, or if there's shaming around that, mm. then you, you're going to be mindful not to actually say anything and put up with stuff that you probably don't need to put up with. Particularly yeah. pelvic pain. Yes, definitely. Yeah, in that regard, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that answered the question. <laughs> it did. No, no, it did. It did. It did. Um, okay, so this next question, it came through a few times and this is one that Liv and I even talked about and we were like, well, we don't know if there can be a, a clear-cut answer, but it was in a relationship, how many times a week should you be having sex? Okay, <laughs> that comes up because we always compare, don't we? We always think yeah. people having more sex or less, yeah, less sex yeah. than we are. So I actually did, um, there's been some really good research done and I'm going to actually read you a couple of little bits from it because I think this is really important. Yeah. And it talks about um, couples and how often to have sex. So in this is based in America, and this was done in the last 10 years. So we know that uh, more sex may not necessarily make you happier, according to this research. And, it's, and there's a few researchers that also, or research has been done to um, support this as well. So although um, we think about the frequency of sex should make us happier, uh, or is associated with greater happiness, but it's n- not really linked to the frequency. So we know that if you're having sex once a week, and that can be any type of sex you want, you're just the survey suggests that you're just as happy as though 
of those people who do it more than once a week. So there's mm. no difference if you have it more than once a week. If you want to have it more than once a week, absolutely go for it. So we know the frequency doesn't necessarily increase greater happiness. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and also to, and this was done on 30,000 uh, people in America over the last four decades. And the other thing that's really important to re, um, also think about is this is in a romantic relationship. So there's when she had individuals or people who were not in a relationship, there was no necessarily um, association between happiness or well, our well-being and sex mm -hmm. is in the context of your own self-esteem to connect with someone sexually without being in a relationship, if that makes sense mm. in that regard. So I think it's really important to know that sex is important, but you don't have to have it a lot unless mm. you both choose to, yeah. to do that, so to speak, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you were saying around not comparing yourself, because, yeah. yeah, I think it's very easy to look at someone else and think oh if they're having it that many times we should be too yeah. but that's a completely different couple yes so yeah mm. yes interesting and and I've had couples and individuals who have because we talk about uh, when you go to the opposite end of uh, a sexless relationship and that's usually around uh, having sex 10 times 10 times a year or less and even for those individuals or couples that can be okay mm. yeah so it mm. depends on the context of your relationship yeah, mm. yeah. absolutely so another question we got was, I feel like we have lost some passion in the bedroom. So how to get that spark back and yeah. feel the connection again? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I think, again, it is very contextual in that of that relationship. Mm, so yes. and I, unless I know exactly specifically, these are some of my thoughts generally. So yeah. making sure that you're able to communicate to your partner around sex because sex is really hard to talk about because it's it's part of who we are and our ego and our sense of um, our person so being able to talk about it in a way that doesn't blame that doesn't uh, create um, criticism or defensiveness is really helpful so if there's a change in passion it'd be interesting to know what what actually has caused that is there mm. um, new babies life stresses jobs work tiredness health issues so first things first is making time to think about what you want talking about with your partner what works really well what's going well what can we look at as a t uh, intimate team together to enhance the passion and the desire and sometimes in like anything we don't really do an audit or we're not really accountable I think when it comes to sex this is my thinking and it, others might disagree but I think when we buy a house, we budget. When we talk about finances, we make sure we can pay the bills. When things aren't going well, we, we readjust it. A bit like sex as well and sexual mm. relationships. I think it's really important to check in on a regular basis to see how things are going. Mm. And when you're in a longer-term relationship, sometimes we get become more comfortable and accepting. Uh, life stresses get in the way, so we kind of don't make sex or a connection or passion or priority it has to be worked out like anything you do mm. going to work you really put your um put a lot of effort into yeah, doing yeah. what you do at work and then with sex as well your sexual relationship it, it takes time and consideration um and making the time to do it but mm. you both have to be committed to do that together yeah um because if you don't then it can if one partner's wanting more passion and the other person says well actually this is okay for me then how do you negotiate that 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes you need to be specific about what you want and how you want that as well. Mm. Yeah. So just, and also to um, think about it not just in the bedroom context, passion should be, or the energy to connect should be all the way through mm. uh, every day. Mm. Like the little notes that you gave when you were first dating, or, you know, you, the, you know they're just the flirtatiousness and things like that. Mm. Sometimes we just, I don't know what happens. I don't know about you guys, but mm. um, sometimes we forget that it's really important to do yeah, yeah. to keep yeah. that energy going yeah and I talk about it with my partner we say like if we're so busy with work and you're not putting like quality time and time together as a priority then that other side of things does sort of fade away sometimes Absolutely. because you're just you can't be connected in every way if you're losing it you know yeah in in other areas it's harder Absolutely. to keep it going and I think to take the pressure off it having to be uh, intercourse type sex mm-hmm. uh, or orgasmic we, we, I think um, passion is something that we we have to bring our energy towards both both people and it's about finding connection satisfaction eroticism not not mm. just about the sex even though it is about the sex if that makes sense yeah so if yeah. the relationship's stressed and you're not communicating outside the sexual um, part of the relationship then that can reduce passion because you're not feeling connected or feeling yeah. able to ask for what you want yeah. or need as, yeah, a, as an individual as a couple so definitely yeah. um, well that kind of leads into the next one anyway which is how do I tell my partner what I want and need in the bedroom okay that's a really really excellent question and I, I see that as having uh, confidence about asking and using your voice your sexual voice because if you're not sure or you're anxious around that, then it's going to be really difficult to convey that. So again, when you're asking for something or want something different or something that you're doing is not pleasurable, it can create angst or distress. So sometimes we tend to avoid because as humans, we don't want pain anyway, whether it's psychological Mm. or physical pain. So if possible, if the relationship is, is good and you have the opportunity to talk about certain things, is just making time. So when you talk about this part of your relationship you need to be your prefrontal cortex and your your body and your brain needs to be focused so not late at night Mm. uh not if you've gone out for a big night and had a lot of alcohol (laughs) because that might just create a huge argument Uh, might be great for sex but might create a huge huge (laughs) argument around that um it's making time just saying you know something like babe um, something's come up for me around our, um, I want to talk to you, would you be okay maybe tomorrow or this afternoon over a cup of tea or whatever, um, to have a chat um, because I want to just talk to you about stuff that might help me and help us in, in the mm. bedroom or our sex life, whatever yeah. language that you yeah. use. So without blame, asking what you want. If you're not certain, then you don't ha- – like like sex, there's a few things you can't fix. There's because it's ebbs and flows and changes. Things like sex, children, uh, finances and in-laws, you can't fix. You have, as a couple, you have to <laughs> yeah. kind of negotiate. Mm. So it's actually kind of sitting together and talking about um, what you might like. And if it's a scary thing to do, then maybe seeing someone like a sex therapist or a counsellor or talking to friends that you know you can trust mm. who've had similar experiences to talk to. If your partner's open and they're really wanting to support each other then it it's a great way of actually checking in to say you know is this working for you do you want anything different yeah you know this is this is kind of working for me but this is what I might like to try differently from Mm. you 
there's some really good books and um, that are available. One of my go-to, it's, it's an old one, but a really good one called Good Loving Great Sex by Dr. Rosie King. And if you haven't had the language or you're feeling uncertain about talking about what you want, what you need, particularly if you think it might upset your partner, grab that book because you can read it from front cover to back or just as you need, just to give you some understanding and language and then use that as the framework to talk to. Yeah, so therefore, because yeah, sometimes I think when we talk about sex, it can be really confronting. Or if you're feeling like you're not giving what your partner needs, it can create an insecurity potential where you're feeling like you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And again, it, that also depends on how you feel about yourself in your in your self-esteem or sexual self-esteem mm-hmm. in general confidence. Anyway, mm. yeah, that definitely. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's great. How do you think? How would you deal with? if your partner wants to do or is I guess into something that you don't particularly want to do like you have very different needs or desires how would you recommend working through that yeah that's tricky isn't it (laughs) yeah so it's about um I think relationships are about vulnerability Mm. and it's okay to ask your partner for what you want and need there's doesn't mean that's what you're going to get, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm. Because there's some people that won't engage in um, oral sex or anal sex. So in the context of the relationship, when you when relationship is going well and sex is going generally well, the sexual part usually pays, plays or um, uh, about 20-25% of the overall satisfaction of the relationship. Mm. So if the relationship is healthy, then asking... Like if your partner says, look, I'd love to try this out and you're going, oh, I don't think so. Talk about it because there's always a compromise or a halfway yeah. point that you mm-hmm. can do. So just because you're with someone doesn't mean that person can meet all your needs, whether yes. it's sexually, yes. emotionally, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it's more than um, just the sex. So if, if, however, if your partner is saying, no, 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 that, that's not okay for me, then you need to talk about that. Mm. because there's something more happening if that makes sense yeah so really important to be open doesn't mean you have to go along with unless you want to or just to check it out Mm. because like anything unless we've had the experience or the knowledge we don't know what we don't know and we don't know whether or not we're going to like it until you try it exactly yeah so it's something quite like you're saying if it's something that you think oh and your partner wants it you need to talk about that before you actually do it And then you need to talk about if one or the other person doesn't like it or needs to stop, you need to make sure that's that's clear. Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's a rejection to cause um, a disconnect or an argument. Yeah. Really, mm. really important. But mm. talk first. Yeah. I think it's really important. Mm, definitely. Um, I'm going to stay on that kind of line of things. I'm going to skip a few questions, yeah. but we'll go back. Um, this came in from someone that said that whenever they use toys in the bedroom, their partner gets funny about it and feels like they are less of a man mm. because they then um she talked to me about it privately she yeah. said like well anytime I go to do this he then he thinks it's a rejection of him like he's not doing good enough yeah. in the bedroom so yeah. she just kind of asked like how can we get yeah. him to overcome that less yeah. manly feeling it's really interesting actually because I think it's not just using potentially sex toys but also um, partners, if they can't give their partner an orgasm, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. As well, so it goes along all of mm. that aspect. And again, I think it goes back to how you're feeling about yourself in confidence. And I'd be interested to know 
with this particular person you spoke with about that a bit more, if that makes sense. So, mm. um, and what they think that the adult toy represents. So when it, and I wonder whether or not pornography was used in the past by other partners because it's the same mm. difference, if that makes sense. Yeah. So using sex toys, lubricant, because people often too would say their partner doesn't like them using lubricant because it means they're not being aroused enough, therefore they're not good enough or not doing what they think they should do. So there's a lot of myths around mm. this, social mm. myths around this, um, that you need, uh, again, around penetrative sex. If you can't have penetrative sex, it's not real sex. So I'd be gently um, uh, with with your partner if they're worried about this. Talk more about that outside the bedroom. Just saying, look, you know, I'm wondering, you know, tell me a bit more if you can, why you think it might be replacing you. Because it, anything that you bring into the bedroom should be an, to enhance that. Mm. So it doesn't replace. Mm. So, and again, it's about talking about that, what that means to him. Um, and if he's not feeling manly enough using his words... Talk about what that means, what, 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 what manly means to him. And, and then having that conversation, hopefully, over time, again, it's not a quick fix, he, he might think, well, yeah, you're right, actually. How I'm thinking about it may, may not be helpful. And this is adding to us, so we don't use it straight away. We don't use it in place of. Mm. It's just extra. An addition. An addition, yeah. Because yeah. I actually yeah. think anything like that, like whether you dress up, uh, use adult products, lubricant, playfulness scenarios... As long as it's consensual and you both take the risk, it actually can be quite fun and, and really playful and really sensuous and erotic. Mm-hmm. So, again, just with this and with anything really, just have it if you can without sort of blame and getting too caught up. It's just checking in. Look, you just you know, I love I'm, I really love you, and I want to just know a bit more about this for you. You know, mm-hmm. how did you learn that? Because often we have myths and our stories we get told when we're younger. As adults, kind of, we need to challenge. Mm. And that's one of them, I think, as well. Because I think uh, partners can't... It's not your responsibility to give your partner an orgasm. You can be part of the process. Yeah. You can help facilitate that, but we're responsible for that mm. individually, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that does I don't know if that sense. helps, so... No, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's complicated. Because we, we, yeah. we, we're, we're complicated people with how we think about stuff. Mm. And sometimes what we think about is irrational, but we think, but it's true for us. We need to just sort of gently unpack that yeah. in a way that's sort of safe Yeah, to do yeah, so. Definitely. Mm. Um, so another one we had is how to deal with painful sex due to things like endometriosis or PCOS. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, polycystic ovary um, yes. syndrome. Yeah, abs- great question. Yes. Um, yeah. I wanted to start with to say that um, pelvic pain is really common. And about 30% of females at any one time without any um, PCOS or endometriosis experience pain at some time. It might be time of month, uh, vaginal dryness, not really getting in the mood um, at all. So it's really common. The unfortunate thing is we, as... um, as gynecologists or as health professionals, we haven't dealt with it very well. And there's been an assumption uh, along the lines of uh, painful periods, um, when you have sex the first time, it's painful. Mm. Um, so therefore, there's a sense of tolerating a level of pain. So pain with sex, unless you want it and it gives you pleasure, is not normal or not usual. So it really needs to be checked out. Mm. So sometimes um, when you talk about PCOS and also endometriosis, that's quite complex. So there's a couple of things or a few things with that. That needs to be, if you have um, 
health condition like endometriosis or adenosis or um, PCOS, you need a team to support this. So the first things first is to make sure you have a good specialist that can support you, manage with a pain medication, appropriate um, hormone therapy to help. If there's been a history of long-term pain, particularly with sex as well, or just general pain, what happens is over time the body changes its perception of pain. So there's a central um, sensitization of normal pain that becomes heightened. Mm. So people with chronic pain, with back pain or PCOS or pain, pelvic pain, the perception changes. So it doesn't mean that your pain doesn't mean that your pain's not there or it's psychological mm. there's a hypersensitivity to that so any pelvic pain should be investigated the other thing that i do from a therapy point of view if i've got someone who has history of pain no matter how long i always ask them whether a male or female to go see a pelvic health physio to do a pelvic health assessment because if you continue having sex particularly penetrative type sex over time, the brain doesn't like pain. Our body, when you put your hand on a hot piece of stove or on the stove and mm. you pull it away, same with the pelvic. So over time, if you continue to have intercourse sex or sex or any activity that causes pain, over time your body's going to say, no, I don't want to do this. It tightens and anticipates the pain and then you, it's, it's going to be this cycle. Mm. So therefore, there's a condition I don't know if you've heard of. Um, the medical term is dyspareunia, and dyspareunia is pain before, during, or after sex. Dyspareunia can then lead to. It's actually in the DSM diagnostic manual for medical conditions. It's called um, penetrative. Okay, I hadn't written it down, so just bear with me. Um, <laughs> penetrative pain, no persistent penetrative pain disorder. Mm-hmm. And that covers all of the dyspareunias, the vaginismus and vulvodynia. Mm. And it's a medical issue that needs to have medical intervention support. Mm. And often, and I'm not sure about your own experiences, but often when I see people, you tolerate that and because you think that's kind of normal or you don't know who to go to or you feel embarrassed. So therefore, it's quite a few years before you actually see someone to mm. get the appropriate support and intervention. Because if you, and also too, if you leave it for so long and there's more pain, and sometimes even medical practitioners don't know what to do or who to refer to. Mm. So it's really important to know that it's not normal. There's a pelvic pain foundation that's really helpful that can give you links in to where you might need to go to as well. But see someone and talk to someone about that because there's a lot of stuff you can do to undo that. And we need to undo that, not just from a, a brain perspective or pain perspective, but also psychologically around mm. reducing the anticipation. Because when there's pain with sex, you don't want it, you're going to avoid. It reduces mm. your libido and desire for sex and impacts not just yourself, but your partner. Mm. And they don't want to hurt you. Mm. Yeah. So that's another probably um, time as well, because there's a lot to say to that as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, is that, does that, is that answer enough for what you yeah, want? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's really good to know. Well, I actually, I said to you, I have yeah. endometriosis, so this is something that I deal with. Um, and it's not like every time I have sex it's painful, but yeah. there are the times, depending on what time of the month it yes. is for you, yes. um, that it can get quite bad. Mm. And I think the psychological side of that, like you said, is massive because yeah. then the time following that time, I well, I know personally I'm quite anxious because I'm scared that it's going to hurt yeah. again and then... Yeah. 
obviously that doesn't help you relax. I think it's really important because endo is a, a chronic health issue is to have um, your partner on board with that, so mm. what that looks like for you both. Because it will change, like you say, sometimes it's going to be fine, sometimes mm. not. So it's about making sure that when you are intimate, whether it's to go right you know, right through to sexual intercourse, to make sure your energy levels are good, make sure that you have pain relief on board, if that, that is helpful. And, di- and there's different types of pain. So pain can be that dull ache or heaviness, or it could be sharp shooting. So it needs to be managed, making sure that you're feeling safe, making sure you can say no and just cuddle a spoon. Mm. But also because sometimes too, when that happens, there's a, re- a sense of rejection by either partner or guilt mm. um, that kind of comes into it. And having clear communication and understanding and for your partner to know what it looks like as well is really important, I think. Definitely. Okay, the next one is, what are your thoughts on multiple sexual partners? So I think this is not like at once. I think this was meant by um, someone that was like worried about that they slept with too many people or not enough people and they're just worried about the number side of things. Mm. So have, have you dealt with that kind of thing yeah. before? Uh, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think uh, um, also too from a gender perspective in society there is that sense of uh, not always depending on the partner as well I have I I think if you're exploring your sexuality as long as it's consensual healthy and safe I don't think there should be a number particular number Mm. I think in in my experience and some of the couples I've worked with it has created um, an issue and again, I want it's interesting to explore that further because there's assumptions or again, we think that from a gender specific, I'm going to use males here, males, there's a, an assumption through our society and generationally and myth that it's okay for them to mm. go out and have sex, yet they're having sex with somebody and, and I think it's really interesting then um, with that somebody, they're going to be having sex. So for females too, and how often we're socialised as it, you need to be good, you mm. need to make sure you don't have too much sex, whatever that might mean sometimes from our family of origin as well. But I think don't stop that from exploring for yourself. Again, be okay. And I think it's not about the number. I I don't think number should be um, laden with, with judgment. But I'd be interested to know if, if you if these people if someone has lots of sex like hundred partners or twenty or thirty partners and the other person's only had ten, I think it can create insecurity around I'm not going to be good enough or how can I compete, mm. all the unhelpful thinking styles come into play. So it's about being without blaming and disrespectful. You don't have to know the the actual details around that, but mm. also being confident to know that's your past experience. Um, and you can't change past experience and past experiences in the context of your life as a single person or whatever. Mm. Um, So I don't know, I'd be curious about that. So it's a tricky one because some people do get overwhelmed or or feel uncertain Mm. or feel like um, there is a discrepancy. A bit like, and I don't know, I think it's individually how you manage that, I think. Mm. But feel confident not to feel... um, because sometimes we feel, when someone says, oh, yeah, that many, 
there's a shaming around that mm. and that's not okay that's which not there okay. doesn't need to be no and also too it depends on how old you started having sex as well sexual intimacy and what kind of sex you had so mm. you might have had multiple partners but they may not have always been you know um intercross sex or that kind of stuff so yeah i think um i would love it across all genders and to not judge that, to, to be okay with how we express our sexuality because mm. it's so individual. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and talk to that. And, and if that person's feeling secure, it's about that person. Mm. It's not about you having lots of sex partners. Mm. But own it. And um, if it does, and then talk about it. Just, what, you know, what goes on for you for me having more than you? What does that mean? And, and why do you think you feel this way? So just that, mm. if you can, to check in that way, uh, to check in with each other in that regard, I think. Mm. But it, but I think um, some people don't worry about it. So for some people it's not an issue, for others it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a yeah. tricky one, that one. And we've talked about it before, like, you don't know what people's situations have been either. Like, yeah. someone's been in a relationship for the last five years and you've been single. Yep. You know, that's a massive difference already. So I feel like Absolutely. the comparison yeah. where you can't compare. Yeah. And I remember talking to one of my clients, quite a few clients, and they have been in long-term relationships. And also to the relationship wasn't a positive relationship around all parameters, even around the sexuality. So for them, it was about going out to explore mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. having to be judged or limited by... Um, their past experiences to and that's a part of a growing as long as again it's it's consensual it's done in a way that's healthy is really important yeah you know um but yeah it's interesting why we we judge around this and 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 it's so value laden which is unfortunate Mm. i think from a from a sexological sex positive perspective so yeah and i think sometimes um our own uh not friendships, but um, sometimes people that we might know because of their own upbringing will, will lay judgment. And like you said, we don't know what goes on in people's lives Yeah. Um, until we have our own experiences. And when someone judges or has that value, it's more about them than about the other person in that Definitely. regard. So, so feel confident about how you are and who you are. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so next one is how to feel sexy and confident in the bedroom. Oh, that's such a big one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, okay, can you a little bit more specific? How do you feel sexy and confident? I suppose it's about um, sex has to be, you know, sex can be, uh, you have to take the, poli- uh, the politics, judgments, uh, values mm. out of it, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, because sex for adults is about freedom and playfulness and having fun um, and it's good for us. So I suppose it's about trying new things, taking the risk to try new things, being okay in trying new things, so don't feel like there's pressure or coercion because that's not helpful. Create moments that are fun. If you're not confident like there's often I work with people, they say he likes it on or she likes it on, I don't like that because I'm not feeling confident. Mm. So compromise and talk about stuff outside the bedroom. Okay, so when you're having sex and something doesn't go too well, you need to stop and have a language around that so you don't feel rejected. But also when you talk about stuff that doesn't go so well, do it outside the bedroom, so to speak. Yeah. Because it's separate to that and mm. it doesn't kind of, um, what's the word? 
uh, encroach on that space for you. Mm. So think about what makes you confident. And sometimes um, if you're not sure, it's about talking to your partner if, if your partner's open to that. Or doing your own research. So go online without getting too caught up with um, how you should and shouldn't be. Just about what you would like to do. Mm. So it's about just, and again, that's a learnt thing as well. I think as we develop from our teenage years right through to our 40s and 50s, it's it's about sex and your development and your confidence is not static. Mm. It can be if if you're um, uncertain, not sure what you want, or if your relationship is not um, the one that kind of encourages and flourishes in this area. So it changes over time. So what you want or how you are sexually in your 20s is very different, taken mm. from me, when you're in my age, <laughs> in the 50s kind of thing. And, um, and, and particularly for females, so females tend to, if, if you're open and have a good sense of self, it tends to get better because you're more confident as we get older. Mm. It just, it's just a thing I think that happens usually, not always, but usually. Even the contact, if you're feeling like you're managing that really well and you're feeling good, then that makes a huge difference. Unfortunately, we all have a very minimal, um, what's the word, we don't have usually a very good self-esteem of, of ourselves, generally speaking. That goes across all genders. And I think that's a real shame because often when we are having sex, for example, and I remember clients say to me, but when I'm on top of him, I see all my jiggly bits. <laughs> and then you get caught up with the jiggly bits and then mm. that takes away from being mindful to the enjoyment. Mm. So if you can, don't have to like exactly how you are, but if you can be okay with that and do things like uh, wear something really sexy to be able to focus on pleasure and enjoyment for yourself and your partner, mm. that's really awesome. I yeah. think that's, that, that's the essence because mm. I think you're not in your head, you're not out there, you're just enjoying it for pleasure, for connection um, and, and just having a really good time. Yeah. But it's hard to get to that, you know. It's, mm. um, it, it's a challenge and I think, again, I'll go back to if you're not feeling confident and you want some more information, talk to someone who works in this area, mm. and particularly around body confidence as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important or if you're uncertain, get some professional advice in that regard. Yeah. Because you don't have to do a lot, by the way. I don't think anyway. I think it's like um, creating the environment. So making sure that you're not tired, making sure you have energy. Mm. If you have children, making sure they're babysat so you can be free. Because mm. often you're sort of thinking about 100 things at a time and then trying to work out, oh, I need to be here because my partner's beautiful and having sex, but I'm over here thinking about yeah. the washing of the kids. Yeah, yeah. That, that even just taking yeah. away from the moment. Absolutely. And also your confidence in the, and then how to be okay with what you're doing. Um, mm. So just create those opportunities. So it's like an intention. So when we talk about sex, sex is actually biological, but also our brain, how we think about sex, our attitude really is probably really important. So our brain's mm. the most important, I suppose, instrument to help us tune into what we want and how mm. we want to do it. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about things. Um, okay, the next one 
is do you have any tips on introducing anal sex in a pain-free way? Yes, <laughs> I do. I just <laughs> anal sex, and again, this is this is talking first. Lots of talking before you're doing. Yeah. So you need to make sure, um, particularly if it's the first time as well, because we know um, anal sex and that pleasure around the anal area and the perianal area can be very erotic and very sexually arousing. So I suppose if it's the first time or if you had anal sex in the past and it hasn't been a good experience, you need to talk it through. Mm. Talk, talk, talk. It needs to be slow, and also there needs to be trust and safety within the relationship. So my thinking is, if you're not in a relationship, I having anal sex, unless you know it works for you and you're able to um, have it pain-free, but if you're not certain, I think anal sex in the context of a relationship is probably a safer way to go. So the anal area is very different to the anatomy of the vaginal vulval vaginal area. So we have a bit of resistance there because we have uh, the external internal sphincters that kind of close the anus. So when you're thinking about anal sex, it's about making sure both of you want to try it out, making sure that there's a lot of, lot of lube, lots of lube, more lube than not. <laughs> More is better. Um, and there's also some good lube um, for anal sex. So just don't get any lube. Get lube that you use for anal sex. And there is some that you can get. Start slowly. So when I was um, and when I was reading this question, I, I smiled because many years ago when I did my sexology, one of my colleagues, who, she did a um, PowerPoint presentation on butt plugs. Okay? <laughs> so what I'm, and what I mean to this is you want to start small. Mm. Mm. And slowly, so either fingers around the area to make sure the sensation feels good so you're relaxed because you need to be really relaxed, mm. okay? Because the pain comes in if you're not relaxed and you push through the first um, uh, sphinx or muscle area that's quite tight that causes the pain. So the more relaxed that you are and the more the pelvic floor is not tight, the more pleasurable the experience. But you need to go really slowly. Mm. So I, I, I'll go back to... Lots of talking about it. Do a bit of research, and I've got a great link for the for that as well. Make sure that you don't rush it. Make sure that if it is painful, that you stop. Make sure that you use little butt plugs or beads or fingers initially with lots of lube just to stimulate and to work out what it feels like. Even if you do it yourself as well, because that mm. can be really pleasurable to work out what's going on for you. But trust is really important. So if you've got a partner that you know you can trust then check it out, but do it very slowly. The other thing as well, um, because of that area, there's always a risk of STIs and infection and cross-infection between the anus and the vaginal area. So use a condom. And even if you're using um, adult toys and products, just use a condom. If you're using butt plugs and your own butt plugs, then you probably don't need to use any, uh, as long as you use a good lube and wash them really well. But mm. if you're using a, a vibrator type thing or, or, or your penis, then use a condom with lots and lots of lube. Because no matter what, there's always a risk of STIs, whether vaginally or anally as well. Mm. Slow it down, make sure there's consent. Uh, if you don't like it, then you stop. But start externally first before you penetrate and then just relax. If it's too painful, then stop. It's really, really important that you do mm. that. Okay, um, so do you have any tips for dating and sex with an STI? Okay, um, sex and dating with STI is, and it depends on the STI as well, mm. so it can impact on your sexual self-esteem 
a lot. Always use condoms and lubricant. Always make sure that if you're feeling unwell or particularly if, if you live with herpes and herpes is really, 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 genital herpes is really common, is if, if you're feeling unwell, then don't engage in anything um, sexually or even touch because touch can actually, you don't have to penetrate sex to actually um, transfer um, herpes. So if you're not feeling well, then, then aim for making out, doing other playful things mm. than actual sex. So making sure you're well, making sure that you get regular health checks as well. When you're dating and, uh, and you have an STI, always use a condom or dental dam. There's no reason why you can't still engage in that regard. If you're, again too, depends on the circumstances, if, it, if it's within a relationship context or if it's just when you go out, one night stands or you see someone you like and you want to connect with them, again just do it very safely. Mm. Is there anything specific to that that came up in that regard? Um, one person messaged through with herpes in particular. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to like single it out and then not talk about yeah. other things. And I think too with chlamydia as well, because chlamydia is very transmissible and often you don't actually have any symptoms. So mm. I think always, <clears throat> pardon me, have a regular STI check if you're not in a relationship. Use condoms, dental dams. I know we don't talk a lot about dental dams and people go, what are they? But if you're engaging in oral sex um, or, or penetrative type sex, whether it's anally or, or vaginally or any other way, when you're not in a regular relationship, it's just a good idea to use protection no matter what because that mm. reduces the risk factor. Um, not a hundred percent guarantee, but much better mm. because sometimes a condom can burst and, and things like that. So if that happens, mm. make sure you you have STI screening. Make sure you're well in yourself. So make sure your body's well, because if you're well and healthy, that reduces STIs. Um, but also to don't allow things uh, like herpes, because often there's a lot of shame associated with that, to stop you from enjoying your sexuality. Because there's lots of people. Um, that I know personally, but also in my practice, that have really healthy, robust sexual connections and sex life, even in the context of having an STI. Mm. Um, again, we don't talk about it. And yeah, it's so, so that's good to know because mm. it's something that the more friends that I talk to and that open up about this kind of thing, yeah. you realise more like how common it is, but yeah. it's just still yeah. not talked about. And also, do we think... To get STI must mean you have lots of unprotective sex, and that's so untrue. Yeah, that's, mm. that's really untrue. And you can have a sexual, uh, your first sexual uh, experience with someone that you want to be in a relationship with, and it can occur then. So there's, there's, yeah. it doesn't mean because you've had this that you had. It, it's just one of those things that having sex, there's a risk of that. Mm. You know, um, and I think you're right. If we normalise as part of our life and anything like that, like diabetes or like, I think it's, you're right, I think sex is so, oh, it's taboo, it's it's hidden, it's this, we make a huge, um, sometimes we overthink it. Yeah. And like diabetes or any health issue, it's kind of the same. But because it's done with sex, we kind of link sex with being negative. Mm. Um, and maybe that's a historical aspect to that as well. But the more that you're okay with it and talk about it, a bit like pelvic pain, Mm. Um, we don't talk about it. So often, particularly younger individuals, feel quite isolated. Or if they do talk about it because it's not their friend's experience, they go, oh, really? I can't understand that. So then they feel like they can't 
express that express it properly. so that further mm. isolation as well so I think it's really important to talk about this stuff mm. yeah yes which is why we wanted to have you on the episode yeah. as well. so thank you <laughs> again it's just it's nice Pleasure. to be able to give people the chance to kind of ask these questions when yeah. they're not feeling so yeah. Yeah. secure in yeah in and I wanted to themselves. say too what I talk about even though sometimes it's specific to cisgender or um, heterosexual or male female no matter what gender or uh, sexual orientation, this is this information is is across all that. So I think yeah. um, now because we're becoming more open, and I love the fact that we're becoming more inclusive. We're still, uh, from a health prof- professional point of view, we're still a little bit behind. Um, but I think it's really important to be inclusive because I think um, when when you are in same sex relationship or identify as different to cisgender, there's again that that minorian sense of isolation mm. um, and acceptance and then from when you think about minority uh, whether it's across gender and sexuality or uh, rel- religious minority there's a sense of um, people being harsh potentially mm. and not creating safety so I think the more we are inclusive with our language and talking about stuff in a real way not just um, what we, I call um pop culture kind of way because sex when you go online it's in a pop culture yeah mm. very kind of trendy way and for most of us real sex is very different um mm. the realness around it um and how we live our lives is when you read it on the internet you think people must be having some amazing sex all the time mm. and to um quote barry mccarthy he's a great author and he's been doing sex therapy for about 50 years and he said to have that kind of when all the, the stars align, that kind of sex might happen once a year. So it's about engaging in sexual intimacy, whether or not you have penetrative sex, whether or not there's orgasmic sex. Mm. So that creates connection yeah. and, and satisfaction and, 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 and happiness, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, another one we had is, I've never had an orgasm during penetrative sex. I get you, intercourse is this normal? <laughs> absolutely, 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 fundamentally very normal. Yeah. Okay, so again, you know, you go online, you talk to people. So when you think about penetrative type sex, kind of each of you, who's in control, I wonder? So when someone's having penetrative, mm. it's really hard mm. to negotiate that regular stimulation of the clitoris because you kind of have to get, in a position and know each other really, really well to do mm. that. And it's actually quite complicated. So I wanted to reassure you, and this is really important because I remember many years ago I had a client who was so distressed because one of the issues and concerns they had is they were together for 20 plus years and her and her husband were distressed because she could never have orgasmic uh, pleasure through penetrative sex. And it's only about 20 to 30% of, um, individuals who can do that mm. so wow. it's it, you know 70% of us it's just really difficult when I told her she burst into tears because she felt like there was um, she felt broken because she thought that's what she should be able to do but when you think about the logistics of it it's, it's pretty tricky mm. because um, the clitoris the hood, the head of the clitoris is like the head of the penis have about I think 9,000 nerve endings mm. so that's really needs to be the main stimulation not just that but the actual, from the head of the clitoris, like a wishbone around the vulva area. So you think about penetrative type sex, whether it's with um, a vibrator, dildo or penis, you're not hitting the actual clitoral mm. area. So you need 
for that to happen you need, you need to stimulate that plus sometimes um, some individuals might have um, a sensitive patch in the top of the vaginal wall not really anatomically specific that can create pleasure but the combination of stimulating the clitoris plus that sen that stimulation you can but it's logistically it's a little bit tricky unless you're kind of very flexible and very fit but when you think about it the vaginal wall apart from the vulva area but the vaginal wall has less nerve endings otherwise sex even without a health condition will be very painful so, mm. so you're not going to have as a deeper sensation with intercourse sex some people do and that's a combination of clitoral stimulation utero, uterine contractions and also how we're born so our pelvis so each of our pelvises here we've got three pelvises <laughs> are uniquely different so I might have um, more innovational nerve endings in my cervical areas therefore I might be able to have an orgasm with sexual intercourse mm. you may not have as many nerve endings around that so you you may not it might be a different way that you orgasm mm. doesn't mean there's that what I have is is better mm. or um, pure than what you have it's just different yeah so yeah. yes absolutely don't feel like there's an issue around that and I think it's about then how you learn to create your sexual orgasm and it can take time yeah yeah Definitely. So, um, what is a piece of advice you would give your younger self if you knew oh. everything then that you do know now? Oh dear, what would I? Uh, my my young advice would be because I'm I'm for my generation, uh, sex was you didn't talk about anything, mm. Um, mm. and I wish for me that I had someone that could let me know sex is not just about. Um, waiting to get married for some people that's important sex is about enjoyment not just about having babies sex is is not a bad thing um and also to be okay to explore that in a way that's safe respectful and fun so i never had that opportunity for myself mm. um and also to make mistakes so sometimes we, you know we make mistakes in life whether whatever it might be and to be okay with that without kind of um beating myself up yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that I like go. that. Yeah, and again, you know, um, from our and again too, the other thing I, I would really would like to have done is acknowledge that over time, how we think about ourselves and sex and life changes, and that's okay too. Mm. Yeah, and to get more information and support around that as well. Mm. Mm. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so our final question is: Where can we find you? And then what is next for you? Do you have any big things coming up? <laughs> oh, I wish I did. Um, so you can find me. I work for Instinct for Life as, um, what's my title? I have many titles. <laughs> so it's probably the main title is uh, Sex and Couple Therapist. So you can Google me, so Helena Green. So I come up along different areas too. I also work consulting a couple of private um, specialist practice and GP practices as well in Bunbury and Perth. So for me, I don't know what's up for me. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I have you to think mentioned about that. maybe a podcast. Oh, the podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes a this is good yes. training for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hope this goes really well because I don't know how I sound. But I'd love to do a bit more about this because I think um, I've thought for a long time as well, just even just face-to-face. -face, COVID has changed a lot of things yeah, and how we yeah. do um, connect and therapy and all that kind of stuff. But I think sex is, because it's such a personal aspect of our of our humanness it would be great to particularly for younger people and, and, yeah. and 
well across all life stages because I think um, often we grow up with information that that may not be so true or, or we need to hold on to mm. so great to continue the conversations and have talk about sex and talk about sex not just in the context of um, having sex but also in the context of relationship because so, sex is relational whether you have sex with yourself through masturbation it's still relational to you to feel okay mm. about that mm. but also how you do that in the context of yourself and other as well yeah. so yeah I, yeah podcasts and maybe um maybe champagne or wine and sex night or something like that oh i would go to that yeah to that. <laughs> i think yeah. i might do that because yeah. I, I, I like i, I mean because we don't talk about sex as, yeah as, as we and should. i think it's yeah. a real problem yeah, it is. Like, yeah because it Just, should be talked about more yeah. i don't you know, there doesn't need to be a stigma about it that it's, like, naughty to talk yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. And it's really yeah. interesting because you get the um, uh, adult shops that do those... Um, those, those oh, the home... the home party. Yeah, yeah I've oh, been yeah. to one of those before. Yeah. What yeah. was it like? Did you enjoy it? It, it was good. They got yeah. a stripper and um, we yeah. got shown how to use all the different toys yeah. and things. Yeah. It, was, it was great. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because again, and I think that's really important because at least that um, highlights it, but also it might give you then the confidence because often we're embarrassed about yeah. talking about this because we don't have language to it. But the thing too, like when it, and again, another time, another show, different types of vibrators to use mm. because often mm. we look online and you have, oh, this is the best one, this is the best one. Sometimes they're not the best one and sometimes they can be very costly as well. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I think all aspects around sexuality, but also the confidence, mm. having That's confidence, a big piece. Yeah. particularly if, if someone, re- re- the rejection of that and, and how you manage that mm. because often you hear um, well, in my experience around um, particularly what's been happening and with the history of trauma, that can influence your sexuality as an adult. So mm. acknowledging that and getting support around that yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Lots yeah. to be done. Well, that yeah. sounds great. We'll <laughs> yeah. come over and... <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> done. Um, but, yes, thank you so, so much for having this conversation with oh, us. Pleasure. We have been... We've been really yeah. excited about it and yeah. kind of getting the questions in and hearing that people were excited for us to have this chat as well yeah. was really great. So thank awesome. you so much You're for welcome. your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> You've been listening to Seep Happens with Liv and Bon. Links to what we discussed in today's episode as well as Helena's contact details can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe, rate and review as that is extremely helpful for us and means we can be back in your ears with another episode soon. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at siphappenspod, at bonnie.twig and at livenots. You can also now find us on TikTok at siphappenspod. Cheers! Cheers!